So I absolutely love this time of year. As hard as it is to believe, Thanksgiving is just 11 days away. Fall in general is my favorite season of the year, and these next seven weeks specifically are my absolute favorite time of year. And I, uh, in general, am somebody who loves to make lists of my favorite things. Not everybody loves this, but I love making lists. So if you ask me my favorite, you know, fill in the blank, chances are I've probably thought of it. Favorite color? Purple. Favorite rock band? You too, y'all know that. Favorite individual music artist? Prince. Could do a whole sermon series on print songs, but that's a story for another day. Uh, favorite novel, The Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. Favorite book of the Bible? John, of course, yeah, because John's the best one. Favorite movie? Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Wonderful Life. Favorite ice cream? For a long time, it was Chocolate Mousse Royale from Baskin Robbins, but they don't carry that one ever in the store, so Intense Chocolate from HEB has uh, made a strong case to replace it. If you've never tried Intense Chocolate, you should give it a shot. Well, I also have my favorite days of the year. Um, I don't know if you have favorite days of the year. Uh, if you have a list, maybe our lists are similar. Uh, I'm gonna give you my top five, okay? Number five is New Year's Eve. I love New Year's Eve. It's a day of reflection. It's a day of uh, college football, day of celebration. There's nothing not to love about New Year's Eve. Number four, Thanksgiving. Like football, food, family. It's like the holy trinity of awesome stuff. I mean, not the trinity, but it's an awesome trinity as well. Number three, Easter. Obvious reasons for Easter being on the list. Number two, Christmas Day, also for obvious reasons. And then number one, my favorite day in my entire life has always been Christmas Eve. And that is just six weeks from today. So four of my favorite five days of the entire year are gonna happen in the next seven weeks. I mean, what is not to love about this time of year? <laughs> and this particular Sunday, the Sunday after All Saints, as we get close to Thanksgiving, is especially wonderful. So we have the, the altar all decorated for Thanksgiving. Leah Young. Leah, you here? Nope, oh, nope, don't want to call Leah out. Leah did a great job of uh, decorating the altar for us, and before you know it, it's going to be decorated for Christmas. There's a sense of growing excitement and anticipation for the holidays. Um, the music, especially next Sunday, will include these wonderful Thanksgiving carols. And in fact, you know, life in the church in general, life as a pastor in particular, is full of energy and, and joy this time of year. So our home church, uh, Whitney and I had a home church, Arapahoe United Methodist Church, where I heard my call to ordain ministry. And then we served two churches after that before we came here to Christ United. Right before we came to Christ United, we spent six years at First United Methodist Church of Sherman. Our youngest son, Sam, was in preschool at the church for the first three of our years there. And this time of year, at what we called in Sherman the school for little people, was just super festive. Um, there was a big Thanksgiving party the week before Thanksgiving with, you know, turkey, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, pilgrims, all that. And the preschool kids sang these wonderful songs about being thankful. There are actually lots and lots of cute kid songs um, about being thankful. And then the church had uh, a big Thanksgiving potluck with the church's children's choirs singing about being thankful. And I've got just such fond memories um, about those years. And every year during this time of year, they all come back to me. Uh, it was, seemed as though the church smelled like Thanksgiving dinner the entire month of November. 
something good was cooking in the church all the time. And the kids were always singing these wonderful songs about gratitude. And all of it, all of it was the perfect prelude for Advent and Christmas, which of course is the very best uh, season of the church year. This is truly the perfect time to reflect on the countless blessings in our lives. And so this Sunday and next, Reagan and I are preaching a, a mini-series about gratitude, and we've chosen two scriptures that are recommended for Thanksgiving Day. Today's is going to be a psalm. Next week is going to come from Deuteronomy. Now, you probably know in the United Methodist tradition, we, we don't worship on Thanksgiving Day, and so it's up to each of us to handle the, the spirituality of gratitude around the dinner table in our homes that day. So it seems like the appropriate thing to do in the two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving to spend some time reflecting on our theology of gratitude. There's a wonderful book that you've heard me talk about called The Book of Joy by Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. If you've never read it, I highly recommend it. Uh, I've read it through twice now. We did a sermon series on it a few years ago that was inspired by the book. And in that book, the Archbishop and the Dalai Lama talk about gratitude as one of the pillars of joy in our lives. So if we're gonna live joyful lives, gratitude is, is just a significant part of it. And here's what they write about that. Gratitude helps us catalog, celebrate, and rejoice in each day and each moment before they slip through the vanishing hourglass of experience. <laughs> Time goes by so quickly, and the older I get, the faster it goes. And so being grateful uh, is a way of connecting with the moment. Because it's, it's so easy to get bogged down in the details of our lives and to miss all the blessings for which we can and should be grateful. Now, I know that, that some days in our lives are tougher than others, of course. Um, there are some seasons of our lives, there are some years of our lives that are filled with more struggle and heartache than others, of course. But the truth is that every day of our life is a gift, filled with more blessings than we often recognize. It's too easy, I think, for us to lose sight of that. And so during this amazing season of the year, we're invited to pay attention to those blessings. And we're gonna be guided in that today by Psalm 65. We're gonna read the first eight verses and then come back and read some more later. So listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by the psalmist. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you, Shall vows be performed, O you who answer prayer? To you all flesh shall come when deeds of iniquity overwhelm us. You forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with deliverance, O God of our salvation. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. By your strength, you establish the mountains. You are girded with might. You silence the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at earth's farthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the morning and the evening shout for joy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. I'm not sick, but I got a tickle in my throat. Hang on. 
Okay, so you hear me from time to time talk about something called the Revised Common Lectionary. So the lectionary, it's a few decades old. It's a three-year cycle of readings that are, that's used by churches all over the world. There are 20 Christian denominations here in the United States that use it, along with over 30 more denominations worldwide. And the idea is uh, to be in spiritual unity with Christians around the world as we cover um, a broad cross-section of scripture readings over the course of those three years. And each year, the readings begin um, with the beginning of the church year or liturgical year, which is the first Sunday of Advent uh, in preparation for the birth of Christ. And then the, the last day of the list of recommended readings here in the United States is Thanksgiving Day, which I think is highly appropriate. We begin the year in preparation for the arrival of Christ. We end the year um, reflecting on our theology of gratitude for all that God has done for us. And Psalm 65 is the uh, psalm that's recommended for the first year of that cycle, year A. And Thousands of years ago, it was written as a national hymn of thanksgiving for Earth's bounty, which of course is, is exactly what the first Thanksgiving was all about. The settlers from England who came to America were keenly aware of their dependence upon God as it pertained to the land. And the thing about that is um, a lot of us in the city, or I'll speak for myself, I absolutely uh, fall into this category of not being super in touch with the, our dependence upon God as it pertains to the land. I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't know anybody who grew up on a farm. We didn't have any relatives in the country. Um, I have the opposite of a green thumb. Literally everything I try to grow dies very quickly after, me, after I put it in the ground. And so I've always kind of taken for granted Earth's bounty. Before our family was in Sherman, we lived in Henrietta, Texas, where I was pastor of First United Methodist Church of Henrietta. And if you don't know where Henrietta is, it's, it's 22 miles this side of Wichita Falls. It's a very rural setting. It's on the very uh, southern tip of the Great Plains. It's kind of a ranching community. Um, and when we moved there, this is true, I had no idea what a rain gauge was. I don't know if you guys have rain gauges, like rain gauges are an obsession in Henrietta because rain really matters in a way that I didn't really get. And I know that that's embarrassing. That's a little bit embarrassing, but it's not the most embarrassing example of my lack of agricultural knowledge. I'm going to tell you that now, what the most embarrassing example is. So one of the church members at First Henrietta was a veterinarian. And one day we were um, at his practice with our beloved Labrador retriever named Dexter. God rest his soul. I loved this dog. But he was getting on in years. There was something going on with him. We didn't know what it was. And so the vet ran a bunch of tests like, you know, like they have to do to figure out what was going on with him. Now, this was just uh, a few months after we moved to Henrietta. And, you know, listen, I was a city boy from Richardson who had gone out to Henrietta and I was still trying to make a good impression. And then this happened. <laughs> so while we were waiting for the test results to arrive, this vet, who was a church member that I mentioned that, and like a key leader in the church, gave me a tour of his facility, which was for both large and small animals. And we were, we were outside, we were looking over this little pasture that, they, that he had for horses and cattle, and I saw a horse lying down in the field. And I said, huh, I didn't know horses slept on their side. And he's leaning, on the, he's leaning on the wrought iron fence, you know, and he, he's got a toothpick in the corner of his mouth like a, you would imagine a country vet would have. 
And he looked at me and he said, well, Chris, that there is a dead horse. <laughs> I lost all credibility with the veterinarian who was a key leader of the church. Now, Don Underwood was at the early service and uh, I confirmed with him afterwards that sometimes horses do in fact sleep on their sides, but when they do, they look like they're dead. So I should have figured he was dead one way or the other. So our, our ancestors in the faith knew quite a bit about agriculture and the land. They, they were in touch with their dependence upon God. And Psalm 65 um, was probably read and used in worship during what, what is called the Festival of Tabernacles. That's a harvest festival, happens in fall of every year. And at that Festival of Tabernacles, a, a Thanksgiving sacrifice was offered, um, and then it was followed by a sacred meal, which has obviously some similarities to our own Thanksgiving meal. In fact, when we, re- when we finish reading the psalm here in just a minute, we'll, we'll hear this flourish of verses that are well suited to the spirit of our first Thanksgiving here in America. Back in, 20, in 2008, something called the Green Bible was published. It's the one that I use in my devotional reading at home. It's, I'm preaching from it today. Uh, the foreword, just coincidentally, is from Archbishop Tutu, who also wrote the Book of Joy. And it contains um, a series of essays about ecology and about our theology of stewardship of the earth. And there's a unique feature of the Green Bible, uh, and that is that the the verses um, that relate to God's creation are printed in green. And the idea is to bring to our attention this persistent thread of creation theology that's all throughout scripture, you know, it starts in Genesis 1 and, and really does go all through the end of Revelation. And of the 13 verses in Psalm 65, uh, six of them are printed in green. And that's because this psalm is about God's provision. Um, It's a a wonderful connection to our first Thanksgiving that we obviously celebrate the fourth Thursday of November each year. Now, most of us in school learn the basics of the story of that first Thanksgiving. Um, We learn that Uh, About about 100 people from England came over on the Mayflower in 1620, and they founded the Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts. What's interesting is that there's only one first-person contemporaneous account of what happened. It was written in December of 1621 when a guy named Edward Winslow wrote uh, wrote a letter about this three-day harvest festival that came at the end of that, that first difficult year for the pilgrims. There were 100 people who came over on the Mayflower. By that first Thanksgiving, only 50 of them survived. And they, they celebrated having survived this tough year, um, survived disease and survived hunger. And of those 50, half of them were either children or youth. It was a devastating first year. Now, the pilgrims were probably outnumbered two to one by the Native American community who had uh, helped them survive by teaching them how to raise food in what was for them a very different environment. And the combined community came together to celebrate the end of this difficult period. And, and the whole point of it was to give thanks to God for God's provision. Those overflowing tables that all of us are going to have 11 days from now on Thanksgiving are uh, a in some way over the top echo of that first Thanksgiving four centuries ago. All right, let's finish the text. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. 
The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its its ridges, softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Amen. Modern study of the brain tells us that we as a species have evolved with what's called a negative bias. Um, the degree to which this shows up uh, is, you know, differs among each of us depending on our personalities, but in general, as a, as a species, we human beings are wired to focus on um, what is wrong, to focus on what is negative, to focus on what is potentially dangerous. And now this was incredibly useful. Um, it was necessary even when the world was full of constant threats to our survival, like you know, with saber-toothed tigers who were just ready to pounce on the slowest one in the group, for example. But it's, it's less helpful in the modern world where so many of us live very comfortable, very secure, very prosperous lives. Now, just a moment of confession, my mind is constantly focused on what needs fixing. The staff is just containing themselves to shout, not shout out amen. Like they, they know that. It's a nice way of saying that I'm, I'm hardwired to see what's wrong. And my running joke is that we can have the most amazing worship service with the most incredible music and a sanctuary full of the faithful, beautiful prayers, life-giving scriptures. Everything can be right with the world. But if there is a light bulb out in any of our amazing fixtures, like that one right there is missing the light, light bulb on the top is out right there. And I didn't even notice it till I preached it this morning because it's hidden by the flowers. Um, I get distracted by that. One way to train our brains is to overcome, to overcome this negative bias is to focus on what's good and what's joyful and what's a blessing in our lives. And an effective way of doing that is to express our gratitude for for all that God has given us. And I'm not talking about just in general saying, thanks God for life. I'm talking about specifically thinking about what we're grateful for. And there are lots of ways to practice gratitude. For a few years now, um, I've practiced something that was recommended in the Book of Joy. I've kept, I keep a daily gratitude journal where I write three uh, unique things that I'm grateful for that day, I try not to repeat them if I, if I can avoid it. And I'm actually on uh, my second journal now, having filled a 192-page journal over the first few years of this practice. And on my list tomorrow morning is gonna, go, gonna be the ability to change that light bulb right there, because it's gonna bug me until we get it changed. Now, whether or not you're inclined to write it down, the question is, what would be three things that you are grateful for right now? in this moment, three blessings in your life that are, that are part of God's bounty and provision towards you specifically. Three things that, that today make your life better, brighter, healthier, fuller. When we, when we turn that into a daily practice, such reflections have the power to change the way 
we look at the world because while our circumstances are certainly different than the pilgrims on that first Thanksgiving, we too can be intentional about our practice of gratitude and what better way to celebrate this season of Thanksgiving. So just like we have beloved Christmas carols and hymns for the season of Advent, so there are hymns that we sing leading up to Thanksgiving. Um, Come ye thankful people come. Uh, We gather together, both those we're gonna sing next week. I would actually put my country tis of thee in this category, especially on Veterans Day weekend, because it's got the word pilgrims in it. When our boys were little, there was a newer hymn that joined the pantheon of Thanksgiving carols for me. Both Max and Sam sang in the children's choirs, of course, and at both Henrietta and Sherman, they prepared and sang for the congregation at our Thanksgiving celebrations, a, a simple song from The Faith We Sing. That's the little black hymnal supplement in the pews. And these days, when, when this holiday is upon us, uh, when I smell Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> when I see the decorations, turkeys and pumpkins and pilgrims, this simple Thanksgiving carol comes to mind. And I'm grateful for that. I walk around the house singing it. We're actually gonna sing this one next week as well. It opens with uh, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. Except that when it pops into my head, when I see our awesome turkey decorations on the mantle in our house and it comes into my head, I hear it um, with that pronunciation that little kids sometimes use, you know, when they're working on their THs. Uh, I always hear it as give thanks with an F at the beginning. And it really, really warms my heart. thinking about my boys singing that song. That's the way I wanna live every day. And I am absolutely better at it on some days than others, for sure. But what better time to to let joy grow out of a sense of gratitude than at this wonderful and beautiful and bountiful time of year. May we live with grateful hearts. Amen.